lots and lots of spoilers. Birds. Oh, lovely creatures. I could spend hours just, just watching them soar, swoop, spread wing, and chirp amongst the trees. And what bird best exemplifies the grandeur of nature? Why, the hardy finch! And that's the subject of this week's movie on our show. We're nearing the end of the series, now streaming in a room near you, and I can't think of a better way of celebrating cinema in the home than with a little bit of bird watching. Finches. Lovely, lovely finches. They're Mike, so, hmm? this movie has nothing to do with birds. What oh. did you watch? Um, no birds, there's no huh? Bur- there's no birds in this movie at all. Then um, this must be that Tom Hanks robot science yeah. fiction out of the world yeah. flick? That's Finch? the one. Oh. Yep. yep. Sure. Yeah, well, we can talk about that. Uh, are <laughs> there any monkeys in it? No, if there were monkeys doing monkey things, I think this movie would have been much more popular. Yeah, well, there you go. It would have been a guaranteed hit if there had been monkeys. Well, as always, we are hosted by two, no more and no less. That one of the two is Data Matrix Max Levine. Show off your programming, Max. Ook, ook. Ah, monkey stuff. It's a monkey joke. <laughs> and I am Data Dump Mike Luce. That didn't sound right Uh, we might be robots you won't know till the end of the episode but anyway we have a lot to go over this being the end of the world and all but before we get to niggling details we have last week's poll question to go over poll question last week we asked what film with a religious theme or setting is your favorite i gotta say the answers were surprising and varied First up, the snowman from way, way, way up north. Quote, does Life of Bryant count as a religious film? The 1967 Bedazzled? It does to me. Mm. The Last Temptation of Christ was something I watched when it came out and found interesting. As for the classic religious films like Ben-Hur, The Ten Commandments, and all those, I find them insufferable, boring. I used to like some of the effects works in Ten Commandments, but they didn't age very well. Religious stories in general just do not interest me, end quote. As always, very cool answers, Vince, get it, because he's in Canada. And thanks. Take off, hoser. <laughs> Jessington Miller, totally her real name, gives us, quote, I'm reserving the right to add to this later, and it's definitely not religion in the traditional aspect, but Silent Hill was one of my favorites. I love the idea really? of religion going wrong. Wicker Man is on the list for the same reason. I also love the religious context in Skeleton Key. To me, the voodoo involvement and her descent into the world is great, end quote. All I can say is, not the bees! Not the bees! (laughs) Thanks, Jess. (laughs) Steve Harvey, is this his first reply? Hmm. Uh, I thought he'd done one before. Hmm. He seems to be on the same wavelength as The Snowman, quote, the life of Brian, as religious as I care to get, end quote. Me too, and great answer. Thanks, Steve. Our old buddy Dave also chimed in with some offbeat answers. Quote, I don't think I have a good choice. The movie that came to mind was Angel Heart, but I doubt that one counts. Oh, boy. Sure it does. It's a very dark interpretation. Well, Mickey Rourke. Um, Then I remembered the first Indiana Jones movie was religious. Sure, if you squint real hard. Well, technically all three of them are. (laughs) Yes. But again, not a serious answer. Godzilla versus Mothra is possible in that the peanuts and the natives Wait, of the what? Radi- 
natives of the radioactive island do actually worship Mothra, but not what you are looking for. And I can't say Clash of the Titans because I didn't like that one either. (laughs) Fundamentally, religion is only rarely a part of my movie-going experience. I can mention a few movies about Japanese religious leaders, but none that I found entertaining. Mostly things I sat through because the title character was of historical importance, end quote. So in short, Dave's answer is no. Uh, I think Angel Heart's religious. I mean, the devil's in it, right? So sure. Sure. And the very clever name of Louis Cipher... (laughs) Mothra might be pushing it. Oh, well, <laughs> paganism, why not? Matara, yeah, Matara. Um, thanks, Dave. Charles Forsyth offered, quote, I would say Michael Tolkien's The Rapture, but The New Age, which is more about New Age spirituality than religion, is my fave. And Adam West is brilliant in it, end quote. Okay. That's a sentence I didn't think I'd ever hear. I am having a hard time imagining Adam West being brilliant in anything, but I'll take your word for it. Thanks, Charles. Adam West in a religious movie. Sure. Sure. Hey, it's no incubus in Esperanto. (laughs) They know not what to do. (laughs) Old chum. (laughs) (laughs) Val Coons. Huh. Well, never heard of her. She commented, Uh quote, this is stretching it a tad, but Star Wars, as in the first movie made, don't give me this a new hope crap. The Force <laughs> is definitely a type of religion in my book. I also have a soft spot for the Da Vinci Code, partially because the Catholic upper echelon hated it, end quote. I have to admit I have a weakness for Da Vinci Code. It's not good, but I'll mm. watch it if it's on. Thanks, Phil. I watch it. I, I like it only for Ian McKellen's deconstructing the, uh, the Holy Grail sequence. Yes. And uh, I remember seeing a... Uh, hearing a talk on Wiccanism and neo-paganism that compared it to Star Wars and pointed out how the Force, which is not just a religion, by the way, it is a hokey religion, (laughs) is very similar to neo-paganism. Oh, I think it's just as valid as some of the ones out there. I'm looking at you, Xenu. Uh, (laughs) So there. Uh, DeWeese starts off a run with, quote, Kevin Smith's dogma, so good, end quote. Oh, yeah. You're not alone, Weasel. We'll see in a few uh, responses, but thanks. Kelly Cooper gives us, quote, the Blues Brothers, end quote. Well, they were on a mission from Gad. Mission from Gad. Yep. (laughs) Thanks, Kelly. Haley Paulson is next with, quote, at first I was going to say Sound of Music, but then I remembered that Sister Act exists. Apparently, (laughs) I just like singing nuns, end quote. (laughs) Singing nuns, indeed. Great when you're up against Guido, the killer pimp. Thanks, Haley. <laughs> Matt Reisman posted, quote, Constantine or What Dreams May Come. Both are rather depressing, though, end quote. Very interesting answers both. Yeah. I'd say that Constantine yeah. was depressing in that it was, um, how to put this, almost Not nothing like its source material. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but thanks, Matt. Dan Schaefer asks, quote, No love for the exorcist, end quote. Well, I don't know about love, but consider it mentioned. Thanks, Dan, though... Your mother makes socks that smell. Indeed. Uh, cousin Regan McStravick tossed out, quote, dogma, probably, end quote. There'll be more of who think like you. He came back later with the additional, quote, I do feel like field of dreams should count, though, too, because uh, baseball may not be recognized as a religion to practitioners <laughs> of more standard religions, but it's, it's probably... certainly treated like one. But it's probably a healthier one than most, end quote. Thanks, Regan. Hard to argue with that, except... Uh, I don't know, probably communion wafers are slightly healthier than uh, ballpark hot dogs. Hmm. They're not nearly as tasty. <laughs> that is probably true. I wouldn't know. I can't eat them as I burst into flame if I do. 
Sure. It's yep, flour it's and water, Max. You're fine. <laughs> uh, lastly, we have Agatha Gasparoni, who chimed in with, quote, Dogma. I had a bootleg copy of it in college. Also, Dune. I'm interested in seeing how it plays out in the second movie, end quote. That yeah. is a really interesting addition to the religion question. Uh, thanks, but Agatha. That, that's, that's a good point. That was one of the Herbert's big theme was religious fanaticism. Yeah. Uh, I only, I'm glad that she told us which Dune film because uh, if it had been the other Dune film, I would. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah, yeah. I have to ask, I wish I could ask her, why did you have a bootleg copy of it? Did you not have access to, to Comedy Central? Because it was on <laughs> every week. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> for years it was either the Breakfast really Club or Dogma, I or sometimes both. But uh, how about you, Max? This is uh, your question. Yeah. You must have something in mind when you ask this. Uh, I do. I I have actually two. One I, I agree with a lot, with a lot of the crowd. I love Dogma. I do too. That's my favorite Kevin Smith movie, and it's a great take on religion. The other one is not as good a movie, but I always find it compelling, and that's The Prophecy with Christopher Walken. About huh. a bunch of rebel rebel angels. That's not the and one with the demon bear, is it? No. Okay. No. No. The, the there is a movie called I don't know if it's the prophecy or, or prophecy. prophecy about about a mutant bear. Okay. That That's true. <laughs> yeah. No. This is one that's about uh, our angels, and it has a, a surprisingly good cast, except for the protagonists who are really boring. The best thing in it to me is Viggo Mortensen as Lucifer. Oh. And, oh, does he go nuts with it. Huh. I actually never even heard of this film. It's, it's flawed. It drags at points, but the perform- some of the performances are really cool. And it, it is, however, a really dark view of Christianity. You've just described our show. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Dogma, too. I mean, I've seen it many times because uh, at some point we've all had cable. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it's just it was just always on, but I do yeah. really like their take on it. Um, I also will choose the Ten Commandments because I think it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's not supposed to be, but um, watching all <laughs> these, how to put this, um, non-Jewish people, <laughs> um, doing... let my people go. <laughs> Oy vey is mere. Let my people Chuck, go, you don't. damn dirty ape. <laughs> Yes, I Moses Moses. Yes, I am truly Egyptian. Yes, I, you know, and Yul Brynner, he's really hot in this movie. I'm just saying. Okay, Vincent okay. Price. I can't think of anyone more Jewish oh, yeah. than Vincent Price. Hey, I was still surprised when I found out that Edward G. Robinson actually is was Jewish. Doesn't he play an Egyptian? Oh no, he was. No, he plays uh, he the Jewish. guy who builds the golden calf. That's you know? right. Yeah, that's right. I want to take over from this Moses guy. See? Yeah. So. uh yeah, that's that's our answers there. Man, those are all great answers. They always Seriously. are. We thank you all for helping us make very our show valuable, a good deal better. Very, very articulate. You might think we'd run out of these poll questions, and <laughs> you're right. Yep. All we have to ask this week is... Do you like bread? <laughs> Thankfully, our... that is not the question we are asking no, this week. No, it's not. Movies about the future. Would you rather see how we as a people manage to scrape and fight our way through an apocalypse... Or would you rather that sort of thing never happened and we make our happy way to the stars? Let us know, and Bumpy will be sure to add extra nuggets to your next box of Bumpy Puck cereal for free. Before you thank me or Bumpy, (laughs) let's get back to Finch, shall we? Start your day the Bumpy Puck's way. Made with alfalfa, oats, and hay. Have a bowl, you'll never frown. 
keep an extra box around your pucks. Sugar frosted bumpy pucks. Our ponies work twice as hard, so you only have to chew half as long. Or something. Oh, and vitamins. The show. Budget. Well, we couldn't find one. Nor yeah. could we find any kind of take as this film was not released in theaters at all. Let's say it cost over $30. And at least two bushels of apples. <laughs> and made back... Apple. Uh, and made <laughs> back um, over $90. So, yep, a I success. Yep. Yay. Now, Hollywood to be fair, saved. probably at least $20 of that went to Tom Hanks. And uh, $50 went to Tim Apple. <clears throat> <laughs> there are nods or echoes from other movies in this film. One is the name of the robot, Dewey, which is a nod to the 70s science fiction classic Silent Running, which had three small drones named after Donald Duck's nephews. Like Bruce Dern in that film, Tom Hanks is more or less alone but for robotic companions. Hey, you know, when, when, I, when you say that, it makes sense. I thought that he named the, the robot Dewey because he was, he was scanning books, and I thought it was like a reference to the Dewey Decimal System. Oh. Hmm. But could be. I was wrong. Well, I, maybe it's both. I was wrong! We all know that, Max, but we try to live with it. Hopefully you can, too. There is, a brief mention, there is a brief mention of Jeff the Robot's four basic rules, the first of which is definitely one of Isaac Asimov's laws of robotics. For those that don't remember, they are, one, a robot may not injure a human being or, through inaction, allowing a human being to come to harm. Two, a robot must obey the orders given it by human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. And three, a robot must protect its own existence as long as it, such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. Never mind. Four, don't forget to feed the dog. <laughs> and the fifth law, of course, is that no robot may have a personalized license plate. Uh... There was an entire one of, one of Asimov's books de dedicated to that entire concept. Max, do you know how to read? Technically? <laughs> right. As I thought. <clears throat> Jeff, or Jeffrey, is Tom Hanks' middle name, which probably has nothing to do with the naming of the robot character. It's not stated when this movie takes place exactly, but one of the books Finch is reading is copyright 2028. Using other clues in the film, we can more or less guess that it's 2043, which would make Finch about 70. Hmm. This is the second movie Hanks has done specifically for Apple TV+. Plus. Sort of. Huh? Finch was supposed to be seen on the big screen and was filmed and completed before the pandemic, but the closing of theaters killed its release, so it was uh, sold uh. to Apple instead. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, this is this is also the second movie where Tom Hanks is pretty much the only actor in it for most of the movie. Uh, excuse me, that uh, volleyball was indeed a prime actor. That volleyball was a damn diva, and there's a reason he isn't working anymore. We're not going to talk about that here. Brown M&Ms? Really? Okay. There was a deleted scene where Finch does finally meet other people, and they're not what he expected, but, but in a good way. The director decided that it didn't serve the story and removed that section from the film. Oh. Very deftly, because there's literally no sense in the film that he ever meets other people, except yeah. a brief flashback, but we'll get to that. This film was made entirely without the use of pudding of any kind. Lastly, what? one of these facts <laughs> is an utter lie. It's up to you, our dear audience, to figure out which one. Good luck. 
What? Are you figuring, Max? <laughs> hey, there wasn't much trivia, okay? <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> do you uh, do you know any trivia about this film? Or heck, if you know anything about Tom Hanks, throw that in, because uh, we uh, we got to pad this thing out. <laughs> uh, uh, well, the uh, the kid who plays the voice of Jeffrey, he's done a bunch. He's done a bunch of stuff. He was also yeah, yeah which I'm sure you remember his thrilling turn in X Men First Class as Banshee. Sure. He had, I think, four lines. Wasn't one of them. Yeah, you put the emphasis on the wrong. But yes. Oh, okay. Not a great impression, but close. Because yes. <laughs> somehow Banshee screams and it makes him fly. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we won't get into that. <laughs> it's true, though. Yeah, Our, it's because he's screaming at the earth and the earth is pushing him by going, oh, cut it out. Sure. It's physics. Uh, yeah. <laughs> With an F. All right. Uh, yeah, without uh, any more trivia, let's get to the plot. It's the future, and things are looking grim. Seems there's been a massive solar flare which first knocked out the ozone layer and then caused a massive EM pulse that destroyed all but the most convenient electronics, namely those of our hero. Finch, played by Tom Hanks, isn't the last man on Earth, but he seems to be the last person in St. Louis. He lives with his dog, Goodyear, and his robot dog, Dewey, in an abandoned power plant. Scraping sustenance from ravaged supermarkets, he also scrounges parts for a robot he hopes will continue caring for his dog once he's died. See, the UV levels and background radiation have assured his imminent demise. And with a gigantic, power station-destroying storm on its way, he has to complete his robot quickly and get the hell out of Missouri. Grabbing as much stuff as he can... Finch and crew load stuff into Arc 2. I mean a futuristic <laughs> RV and head west. That had a monkey in it. The robot is filled with facts, but doesn't have much of a grasp of practical knowledge. As they make their way to San Francisco, Finch tries to teach the robot, who takes the name Jeff, the facts of life. It takes a lot to get him right, the facts of life. How to live in a post-apocalyptic world and, of course, take care of Goodyear. Finch's health fades as his efforts to teach Jeff meet varying levels of success. As he teaches, Finch slowly lets out some of his own past, which includes a fear of other people at the best of times. As they cross the Rocky Mountains, it appears there's an oasis of sorts, a place where the sun isn't trying to kill them, and there are actual plants and a butterfly wandering about, both signs of hope. Can Finch, Dewey, Goodyear, and Jeff find peace in a world where everything seems to have dried up and blown away, or will life just kick sand in their faces? The end. Down. So, Max. Yeah. Before I said, we're watching Finch, and it has no birds in it, or monkeys, uh, had you heard of this film? Yeah, I'd seen an ad or, so, or two for it. It looked like, you know, Tom Hanks in a post-apocalyptic world. That was about all I could tell. <laughs> Boy, were you, uh, <laughs> they took you in, <laughs> fished in. Yep, yep. Because it's actually about Tom Hanks in a post Okay. Yep. <laughs> um... Would you do you think you would have uh, sought this film out had I not uh, pressed it into your hot little hands? No, no. I, I'm just kind of overdosed on post-apocalyptic films. Yeah, they no. just—I mean, especially now that we're sort of in the middle of one, I, it's just not that much fun. It's actually pretty nice weather for an apocalypse. <laughs> I mean, no. a little cold here in the Midwest, but not so bad. Um, so they start off with a. This film starts off with a way to really grab your attention, if I'm going to guess you're over 40. 
Um, <laughs> and they smack you right in the face with American Pie. Hit you with the Don McLean. Yeah. A little, obvi- a little heavy-handed with the whole levee was dry as he's driving through the sandblasted ruins of what I assume is St. Louis. Yeah. My first note was, oh dear, he's on Tatooine. Oh, wait, <laughs> or is it Arrakis? I'm not sure. Or that other planet in Star Wars, which isn't Tatooine, but right, really sort right. of kind of is Tatooine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm really tired of that planet. My other first note was Sandstorm. <laughs> to me, Tatooine is like Bridgeport, Connecticut. You can't imagine <laughs> that all the Jedi are really drawn to this place, but the movie keeps taking place there anyway. Um, this is supposed to be St. Louis. I'm guessing it doesn't look like that now. I've never been there. We don't see the arch, tell you. but uh, whatever. I guess it got um, um, irradiated or something, whatever. Um, what thing we do get to see a lot of in this film is we get to see a lot of Hanks. You might even say we get to see the entire Hanks. <laughs> we do get the full Hanks. Well, not the full Hanks. We don't see little Tom, but uh, we do. <laughs> he does. We do get a couple of bathing scenes. Yeah. And uh, again, I got You got to give him this. He is really throws himself into these. He's apparently he lost a lot of weight for this movie. He's got very skinny. They've abraded or made up his skin to look really abraded. He's covered in, he's got sores because as we find, this isn't much of a spoiler, Finch has advanced radiation poisoning. Right. Because of course he does. Yeah. There's no friggin' ozone layer. I don't care if he spends most of his time indoors or wearing, uh, what's basically radiation armor. He's go, the average temperature outside at one point is 165 degrees. Mm, Tad warm. Yeah, at one point, it, I thought it was kind of cute as he takes a bag of popcorn and puts it in a hubcap and just holds it in the sun and the popcorn starts popping, which it would at 165 degrees. Uh, I don't know that it's actually hot enough to do that, but maybe, I don't know. I don't know the actual temperature. Hey, listeners, do us a favor. Look up the actual uh, popping point of corn, would you? Yeah, because we don't understand how to use the Google. I'm pretty sure it's the <laughs> devil's work. Um, it is very convenient that he happens to um, be near a fully functional abandoned power station, but whatever. Well, we find out he's a, you know, he's a technologist. He was a robotic specialist. Oh, he, he is probably, now. <laughs> well, no, he was. He was working on a, on a when he's telling the story to Jeff about how he worked on some big pro- project. It was robotics. Yeah, I guess it was. It wasn't really that specific, but obviously he's smart enough to make robots out of He knows cars. science, okay? <laughs> he he does, He's a science guy. Sure. So he can do stuff. And, uh, yes. And he's got a power like, station house that has a whole bunch of windmills and only one of them works, but that, heck, he only needs one. Yeah, uh, that's, he's just one person. Yeah. Um, I was curious, why is he, I, I thought that was going to be a major part of the movie, but at one point he's scanning in books. He's just digitizing all of these books. Yeah. We never find out why. Unless sure it's just, oh, is that the data he's feeding Jeff? Yeah. Oh, all right. That makes some sense. So that Jeff has smart, or at least up to the letter K. Uh <laughs> Begins with an L. Jeff doesn't know what it is. Um, Like, love. Anyway. yeah. Um, I also will say that uh, who has he got as a companion at the end of the world? A dog. It's always a dog. It's never a cat or a bunny. It's a dog. Or a monkey. It's a dog. Well, come on. If if it was a bunny, he would have eaten it. If it was a cat, it would have eaten him. (laughs) I... I don't know. I would like to see a good boy and his cat. I like cats. I don't dislike I do dogs, too. but I like cats. Why is it always a dog? Because uh, actually, when you, you get why, down to it, the cat would have wandered off. Yeah, the cat would have left. <laughs> also, I'm sorry. I am a cat person too. Dogs can be useful. 
<laughs> cats have one real use, and that's to get rid, keep rid of you know mice and vermin, which there don't seem to be any of, as everything most stuff is dead. Now, Max, you know perfectly well that you can be useful to cats. Wait, that came out wrong. Yeah, <laughs> or did it? See. <laughs> It's fine. It's just we, yeah. it, we, you know. I mean, there's literally a post-apocalyptic. There's a post-apocalyptic film called "A Boy and His Dog," and it yes. stars John Yonson, who comes from Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> it's actually it's it's pretty good. It's based on a very disturbing short story, and the movie itself is very creepy. Yeah, especially the weird um, manual sex scenes in the yeah, wedding in the yeah. hospital. Anyway. Um, I just was like, come on, does it have to be a dog? And of course you get a lot more, <laughs> can you imagine somebody, some poor handler trying to get a cat to a moat? <laughs> yeah, that's one of the other problems. It's very hard to train cats to perform. But anyway, regardless, yeah. yes, it's a doggy and it's an adorable doggy. Yeah. And you are pretty sure it's not going to die because you don't kill the dog in a movie. No. In fact, one Let's... of my earliest predictions was at some point it's just going to be the robot and the dog. Spoiler! Um, yeah. But yeah. I, I, let's, we usually talk about acting. This time it's going to be fairly quick because um, the cast list is, well, what's the word, short. i got to say, I thought that the dog was too much into that method crap for me. Seamus. Yeah. His yeah. name is Seamus. He actually oh, does have an IMDb page, although yes, he, he only has one credit. <laughs> yeah, but I read he, he insisted on being called Goodyear whenever anyone talked to him on set. <laughs> really annoying. Uh-huh. I'm sure you read that. Oh, yeah, I did. Remember, Don't Max me. can't read. <laughs> uh, the dog, yeah, the dog's fine. The dog's great. He's a mutt, or if he's, if you want to say he's a purebred something, you can say whatever you want. All dogs are mutts, but I, I read that that uh, one of the trivia pieces what they thought they chose. One of the theories was the the robot chose the name Jeff, yeah, because he might have had in his database the old comic book, the old cartoon Mutt and Jeff, and they already had a mutt. Yeah, which sure, whatever. Yeah, why not? Why not? Or Tom Hanks' middle name doesn't matter. Um, the robot. The kid, the kid who plays the robot is fine, I guess. I think he does a fine job. I, I like the way He's, the robot evolves in the movie. He starts out sounding a little like a speech synthesizer, and as you go on and on, he admittedly very quickly yeah. begins to develop much more human speech patterns and much more human um, body language, right. which is clearly, and he's doing it because that was what he was told to do, is imitate Hanks, or excuse me, Finch. And I believe the actor was the person doing the motion capture. Yeah, so, yeah, he was. But the voice and the the the, the movements. Body. So, mm-hmm. and the Jeff's movements are pretty entertaining. Um, they're not so overblown as to be, shall we say, Jerry Lewis esque. Yeah. Um, but they're also not the usual robot. And we, although he never asks if Finch would like to play a game, uh, <laughs> his voice does start off. Making me wonder if it wasn't a synthesizer, but then re- later I realized, nah, nah, they're just they're playing with it. They're fussing with his voice a little bit with an alter, with a voice alter, yeah. And uh, there are, as you said, there are references to other movies. The robot keeps wanting to drive the car, and he, I am an excellent driver. It's like, yeah. And he, Hanks even says, "Okay, Rain Man, go ahead." Yeah. Um, and speaking of Hanks, now here's here's the somebody who blurs that line because Hollywood does seem to love Tom Hanks. Yeah, and Tom Hanks, bosom buddies, uh, <laughs> did start in TV, and she did. from there, he had some um, less than stellar roles: Joe vs. the Volcano, uh, The Money Pit, Mazes uh, and Monsters. <laughs> oh yeah, well that was a TV movie, so that that still is TV yeah, career, yeah, but. Yeah. 
he successfully seems to fire, have dusted that on stigma fire off. the vanities yep yeah um i actually felt that he was playing when i first saw him i said he's playing a lot older than he is and then i found out mm, he's only playing five years old and uh, tom hanks is 65 wow he looks really good for 65 i am also just like we've basically watched this guy's entire career as we've grown up yeah because we have grown up with him yeah and here he is and that makes us best friends you know I thought it we was get to live in his house. <laughs> yeah, if you could only read the address. <laughs> um, <laughs> ask the monkey. Uh, <laughs> it's Tom Hanks. Are we going to get a bad performance out of Tom Hanks? No. Nope. Whatever you can say about the other movies he's been in, often the scripts are bad, the direction is bad. The say Tom Hanks delivers not just because he's a good actor, but the guy is a consummate professional. Yeah. Whatever you give him, he will just th- he throws himself into it. Yep. He's not one of those crazed people like Will Farrell who will throw himself into it to the point of crashing into a wall. <laughs> but he always delivers. He always does his absolute best. Yeah. For me, I think he does just fine with what he's given. I don't think it's the most interesting part in the world. There no, are but moments I don't think that's his fault. Though. No, I don't. I think there's there's moments cuz let's face it, he's he's basically playing a character that while not the last person in the world, as far as we're concerned, is because we don't have mm. anybody else except this robot. Um, and we find out the character actually doesn't want to be around people, which is a perfectly good excuse to keep the budget down. I know mm. that's probably not what. Yeah, they were it thinking. turns out he's basically. A, I mean, the polite would be misanthrope. He doesn't yeah. like other people. No, he says he works best alone. He didn't like other people when he was when there were other people, and now he's just absolutely convinced that everyone else in the world, the, the other survivors, such as they are, are all monsters. They've all gone total Mad Max, you know, feathers beyond, and leathers, killing Thunderdome. each other. <laughs> yep, they've got like he, he cannot get beyond Thunderdome. That's because he doesn't know who runs Barter Town. We do uh, not ever see any other people, although we do see well, we at do. one point uh, when uh, Jeff stops to raid a hospital, an abandoned hospital. They get chased by a car, presumably driven by someone. I don't know. It could be. Uh, I don't know, robo robocar or you know night rider or something. But uh, did you feel never? Any, f- hmm? Did did you feel any parallels during that little chase scene to any other movies from the past? Any TV movies at all? Yeah, there was a little hint of duel in there. Yeah, that's how I was feeling too. There was a it, flashback where we do see other people. Yes, we do. We do. Right did here. you did you find that kind of jarring? It was a little unsettling, but I thought it was supposed to be. I mostly was just like, why are there other people in this movie? I almost didn't believe them because it's like, well, no, there's only Tom Hanks. We know, and the robot. We know that, and the dog. So mm, I don't know. It was well, we only we know that only one of those people survived. Yeah, well, and I, it was the explanation of where he found the dog. Right. I don't know if we needed to see it, um, but that's one of the moments where Hanks is actually given something to do. Mostly, he's just cranky because the robot isn't doing what he wants it to do. That being said. All he's basically done is shoved a bunch of encyclopedias and, I don't know, issues of Field and Stream into the robot, and it's responding in a pretty non-logical, human-like manner pretty quickly. Yeah, he has, considering that this guy is not like, we aren't given any idea that he's some sort of programming genius, he has created a genuine AI. So let's take it a step further. Is it a life form? Is it a person? That's that's a that's a question for smarter people than us. 
Well, but we I, I think it's a question that the fo- the film is asked to actually try to tackle. I don't know. I think that's. I don't think that's as important in the film as if it is really sentient, because the movie is only part, not really about the robot. It's about him. Is it? Yeah, I think it is. It's about him coming to deal with the the way he's lived with his lo- he's lived his life. I mean, as he said. I mean, admittedly, I, this. I found a little annoying because he just actually comes out and says, hello, this is the message, you know, make the most of the time that you have. Yeah, that's one of the messages. Yeah. Um, The the climate uh, issues are really a brick thrown at the audience near the end where we finally find out what's caused. I actually didn't even mind that we didn't know because yeah. I'm fully willing to believe that at some point, at least in films, we're going to have an apocalypse and it kind of doesn't matter who or what caused it. It's, I mean... I actually, being thrown into it, I was not, I didn't find it jarring at all. Did you? No. I was, and we find out fairly early what it was. It was well, a solar flare, and more importantly, it was a gamma ray burst. Well, we find out that that's where things started, but we find out later, he basically sits down and like, okay, what really happened was we had the solar flare, and things got bad, and then people went crazy, and that that's, we killed ourselves because we didn't do anything about blah, 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 blah. That's where the big yeah, message yeah, was- and the brick gets thrown at our face. Um, to me, there's only so much growth that Tom Hanks can go through because he's dying. And what we're looking for is some sort of point where he gets over his daddy issues uh which we find out are from a postcard but to me a lot of it is also there he's using jeff as a means of confronting himself did you find that because a lot of the things he seemed to find most frustrating with jeff were things that he himself uh was had had problems with either with himself or with his relationship Hmm. with his father in the past how so so he's he talks about the fact that his father basically left, had the kid, then went off wandering. His mother said, oh, your father's a Viking, which I hopefully means that he likes to wander and not go and rape and pillage and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I thought it might mean he was a member of the Minnesota football team, but okay. Or he likes spam. Um, <laughs> but then uh, he talks about trying to con- connect with the guy and, and communication with the guy and how this is what's caused him to not like people. And one of the things Jeff starts to do eventually is because he doesn't know any better. He's a kid. And suddenly uh, Finch has to be in the position of the father and he finds, you know, I don't like kids either. Get away from me. And this is, there's, there's parallels that he has to get over. He has to basically see what it would be like to have had a kid and try to understand his father's side of things, et cetera, et cetera. So I kind of wondered yeah. if some of it okay. wasn't him dealing with his own personal issues. But what we're really looking for is Jeff to mature, I guess that's the right word, um, his programming enough so that he can take care of the dog. Because that's really the goal of, of Jeff, or Finch has for Jeff. I mean, the idea, I think Jeff was just trying to create a caretaker Right. A machine, but what he ended up creating, like you say, was in effect a child. He created a son. Yeah. Well, I think there's two reasons that this is important. One of which is the dog, you know, because if Jeff does not become a person, does not have that awareness, does not have that conscience, quite honestly, he's probably going to stop do- feeding the dog. This is like, oh, look, flowers or a butterfly or whatever, or people. Because he, in the end of the film, spoiler, we told you, we always tell you. Yep. He goes off looking for people in San Francisco. Um, or Even though Finch has died. 
even though Finch has died and he's been given a Viking funeral, which yeah, I saw I, coming. Did you see that coming? It's like, oh, I God, did. He's gonna, I, knew, he's gonna... I knew that was going to happen. I mean, <laughs> which is fine. I, I liked it. I thought it was a nice touch. Sure. Um, so I think that the question of whether or not Jeff is a person matters not only for the dog, but quite honestly, potentially for the future of humankind, because this is the kind of species that might inherit the earth. You mean? Yeah, and this is where I got parallels to another film, and that film was AI. So at the end of AI, we've got robot um, Haley Joel David, Osment, David, who, yeah, yeah, who eventually gets frozen in underneath the ocean with the blue fairy statue from some amusement park and is found i don't know what i don't think they tell us it's some thousands of years later i don't know yeah but the beings that are there are obviously not really organic and they're not really machine either they're probably more machine than they are organic and the idea at least in that film is that well we got past the organic part or the organic parts died and all that was left was the machines that eventually evolved into what we have now so jeff might represent humanity's future and if he's not a person if he's just a machine it's not exactly optimistic. At least I don't think yeah. so. Maybe yeah. I'm reading a little far into it, but I that's don't know. What I it get. might be. It's hard. The ending is supposed to, I think, feel upbeat because he's you know hopeful about the future. But if you look at it, it's like, yeah, he's upbeat, and maybe it's okay for the robot race. But let's see, the dog's going to die in a few years. Yeah, and the human race. I don't see how they could. I I, I looked up a couple of things about gamma ray bursts. You know, yeah. they're um, they don't make <laughs> that up. This yeah. is a real thing, and it absolutely it happens all the time on mostly other stars. And in theory, it could happen with ours. And a massive gamma ray flare would do exactly what it said. It would Swiss cheese the ozone layer. It would poison most of us. And and it would yeah. it would create the Incredible Hulk. It would create. <laughs> we would all turn into the Incredible Hulk, and then we'd smash everything. Ain't he on glamour race? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> And, so uh, it, it's a really disturbing, you know, it's very believable and very disturbing. I mean, the other, it's true. If we got one of those, it would generate... A, there was a massive solar flare in the 19th century, a massive solar, solar ejection that basically melted almost all of the telegraph poles, uh, tel telegraph wires in the country. Now, in, what was it, 1880-some-odd, that wasn't that big a deal. But I've read about, if that happens now... We're kind of screwed. Mm. Where people are working on trying to shield them, but nobody really knows if it'll work. Yeah, this is one of those things. I, that part really, I think it's interesting. I think it's good narratively. It makes me personally very uncomfortable because it could happen, and it could happen at any time. Yeah, there's literally nothing we can do about it. So there is nothing I'm not we can do. We it. can't stop it or anything. I, so. But to your point, I do find it interesting how much finch relies on tech because when we start off pretty much everything he's got computers he's got everything he does he's not writing anything down and he's not typing stuff in he's literally scanning stuff and doing lots of computer stuff and he's got his refrigerator he's got no well he, he can't have windows because he died yeah. um but everything just seems to be tech-based everything and it's like you realize that that big thing that happened that killed the earth killed all the I don't know why it didn't kill your tech, but it killed everything else. I assume it was because it was deep in. Well, he it was shielded. Deep, it was it was deep in maybe deep enough in the power plant, and maybe the rooms were shielded. It's possible. Well, then there should be a lot more tech out there because there's lots of other powers. Anyway, 
It did seem odd that there's um, there's an incredible lack of bodies in this particular apocalypse. Yeah, that's kind of surprising. There's like we don't see many corpses. We see, uh, there's like one or two. Yeah, literally, it's Uncle Owen and Umperu, and that's about it. Like, yeah. there's nothing. He gets to Denver, and the, uh, there's let's see, what's the word? None. <laughs> there are nothing. No bodies. Um, that's where you pick up the uh, the driver of Duel, but uh, yeah. Um, what did you think about the design of the robot? Um, in some ways I liked it. I, I thought, yeah, this is how somebody who's never built a robot would build a robot. Cause he clearly just, uh, incorporated every piece of tech he could find. I mean, hell, the thing's got a can opener in it. Yeah. With a giant electromagnet in. Yeah. I don't it, get that either, the, but the, mm, it opens a can of dog food. That's yeah. Cool. Um, um I thought the design was interesting. It was also clearly he wanted to anthropomorphize it. Because, let's face it, when you're building a robot, making it look like a human being is incredibly inefficient. Mm. Yeah, legs are not the best choice. But also, I thought the hands, the oversized hands, made it feel like a Muppet. Oh, the oversized hands didn't fit the rest of the aesthetic. It was kind of odd. It was clearly to make it look more human because it didn't have facial features, so it couldn't no. do expressions. So everything had to be done by body language and by the hands. Yeah. I understand it, but yeah, it looked weird. Yeah, I, the, the special effects for it, though, were excellent. The, oh, only, yeah. uh, the, most, the closest uh, parallel I can come up with was District 9. If you remember District 9, oh, the, yeah. uh, the, the prawns yeah. and the uh, robot stuff in there, like, I just... It felt like they were actually it, real, and yeah, they, you didn't. You stopped looking for wires or mat lines or CGI artifacts or anything. And yeah, let's let's face it. The special effects in this film are excellent because most of them are just there to probably eliminate the real things that are around him. They're yeah. not meant to stand out and look like something, and they work great. Um, apparently, they filmed this in New Mexico. Oh, well, that would explain um, I, all the sand. And I'm guessing like any of the places like Denver or St. Louis or San Francisco that were supposed to be real places um, weren't. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. But I couldn't tell. that. I thought that looked great. Um, how did you feel about him getting to the edge of the Rocky Mountains and suddenly everything's um, sunshine and butterfly? I didn't <laughs> quite buy that. I really, that was one of the, that and the magic car kind of, what the hell was that thing running on? Because they, at one point, the solar collector, which wasn't big enough to power a vehicle like that, yeah, gets destroyed. Yeah, where was well, he finding the gas? Well, we do see near the end. I think it's very, very at the very end of the film. Jeff is pouring a fluid yeah. into a Once. tank. Once. I know. Um, I got to tell you that RV. I don't care if it is twenty forty three or whatever it is. It's not going to be that efficient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those things get about five gallons to the mile. Yeah, and that thing um, obviously weighs a ton. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he even says she's a little thirsty. It's like, yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know quite. I don't know how the physics would work or how the the uh, weather patterns would work. But it seems very hard to believe that huge swaths of the country have no ozone layer, but apparently, north all of Northern California. Yeah. Around San, around from the Rockies to this to San Francisco, because. The dogs walking out in the open sun when yep. they're on the Golden Gate Bridge, that's fine. 
Yeah. Well, there's actually I, sun and clouds as opposed to, you know, horrendous death storms. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, le- literally lethal UV radiation and yeah, popcorn popping heat. Um, I was a little yeah about that, especially because as we've seen so far in real life, uh, when it comes to things like climate change, the parts, the places that are hit worst tend to be the coasts. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. It was kind of hard to figure that California, which has some of the worst air pollution and the most ozone damage. Would be complete. Would be spared. Yeah, maybe but, the uh, heavy winds blew the ozone. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yeah, either. There's. Did you? What did you think? There's some. I, I couldn't help noticing some a fair amount of biblical stuff in here. Wow, what a surprise! Yeah, the yeah. forty day storm. Okay. Yeah, I'm surprised <laughs> he didn't say it would last forty days and forty nights. But also, he like Moses dies before he reaches the promised land and sends on his child, his children into it. Well, there was also the um, Ark Two reference. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That was mine. <laughs> Yours, yes. <laughs> well, that's okay because when uh, Goodyear finally has puppies. Oh, uh, oops. <laughs> yeah, about that. <laughs> Um, I'm Maybe not surprised will by have them. a virgin birth. Uh, well, there is a we don't know if dog. Goodyear is is male or female. Yes, we do. Oh, we do. Yes, okay. <laughs> it's quite <laughs> obvious that Goodyear is male. Uh, 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 well, some of us don't look for that. Thank <laughs> you. He peed much. on the robot. You can see. <laughs> anyway, um, I I they're there. I'm tired of them. I wish they weren't there. They don't really mean anything. It's just sort of going like, hey, hey, we can refer to that thing. Ha 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 ha. Look, we're referring. Hey, biblical references can be very effective. I thought these were just kind of shoehorned in. Yeah. Or thrown off stage as from a box. <laughs> um, yeah, the messages in this, are, are when they are there, are very heavy handed. Um, I mean, it doesn't say, um, welcome to San Francisco, signed daddy issues, but it might as well. <laughs> Um, and then the climate change thing, you know, well, this happened and we didn't, we did this to ourselves. Okay. We pretend that it didn't happen. Yeah. 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 Which not all that unlikely. Yeah. Let's face it. Um, so yeah, I wasn't, I I wasn't feel thrilled. The butterfly did the butterfly. Cause in the middle they they get out of the RV and suddenly there's a butterfly and it comes down from the sky and it lands on Tom Hanks. Does this remind you of anything? Um, pretty much every use of butterfly symbolism everywhere. What if the butterfly was, say, a feather? Oh, no, I didn't really see any gump connection there, although apparently he's wearing the same shoes. I did. Yeah. You know who produced this film? Robert Zemeckis. Zemeckis. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I saw that thing floating out of the blue sky and landing, I was like, this feels a lot, this is very Zemeckis-y in a way. I guess, although I kind of like the fact that the first butterfly they see, they hits the windshield and dies. <laughs> well, you know. Ooh, oh! Well, that was the dumb one. So. Uh, that was the one yeah. that will not go on to reproduce, yeah. Um, let's uh, take a detour real quick to our talking points, if that's okay. Yeah. We'll come back okay. in case you have any more points you'd like to get to. But Because yeah. um, I have a couple of extra questions. We'll do our, our regular ones first. And we actually know the answer to this, but does this movie feel like it was made for streaming or would it have felt as easily at home in the theater? Well, you just told us that, yes, it was made for the theater. And I can see that there are a lot of big sweeping panoramic shots and yeah. some stuff that you would clearly look much cooler on the big screen. Yeah. 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 It's obviously made for the theater. Um, Would it have, and the second question though, would seeing this movie on a big screen have added anything? 
I think it might have. I think it would have given a better sense of scale. Mm-hmm. I like the, it giving more of an idea of the here the amount of distance they had to cover and this the storms would have been I think a lot more impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't think it was essential. I think it would have added, but I don't think it was necessary. No. I I don't think it would have changed my opinion one way or the other having seen it in a the theater. Um although to be fair, here's something we actually never even thought about asking would having paid for it specifically changed your opinion of the film hmm. <laughs> i don't know i don't know how to answer that um how about with a uh, favorite flavor of pudding <laughs> uh, that would be right. butterscotch so i would have to say butterscotch okay uh do we believe the robot um it it, that's a very broad question. What do you mean? I mean, in terms no. of the physics... So, we see him make this robot, and he's yeah. teaching it to be a human and stuff. Do we buy it? I buy the physical aspect. I don't buy the fact that he basically created an AI out of nothing. Yeah. I mean, the thing... It, not, not just an AI, completely heuristic, you know, learns at incredible speed, adapts incredibly fast. It goes in a matter of days from basically being, uh, shall we play a game... <laughs> To number five is alive. <laughs> I was waiting for that one. <laughs> yeah, well, there are some parallels. I mean, let's face it; we've all regurgitated into Wikipedia, and it hasn't turned into a child. <laughs> so, not that we know of. Yeah, you, kn- well. you know, you know the, the the that's one of I think it's the Gary paradox. It's the theory that uh, so, that it actually has happened. We've created artificial intelligence, and it's hiding from us. Ah, and it's named Gary. Oh, that was that was a joke someone made oh. of a an e- but it doesn't yeah it, it it's not worth explaining because it's not funny enough but oh okay it must be from Saturday Night Live ooh, ooh ouch <laughs> who is this movie for well it's for Tom Hanks fans because you get <laughs> sure. a lot of, you get all Hanks all the time um I I think it's for fans of post apocalyptic stuff I think it's for people who want some sweet sentimental stuff because you get a lot of that oh yeah. Yeah, what do you think? Uh, I I don't know that kids would enjoy it as much mm-hmm. because I don't. I mean, the robot's very childlike, and of course, there's a dog, um, and there's a kind of more comedy than I was kind of hoping would be in it. But I don't think it works for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think their attention spans would go for it. I'd see a lot of fidgeting. Um, Hank's fans, that's, that's fine. That's a pretty sizable audience. I don't know if it's big enough to carry this film. Um, science fiction fans, I think real science fiction fans are going to be uptight because this science in this film, um, is like Swiss cheese, (laughs) 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 to uh, quote Tom Hanks from this film. And it's not really fantasy enough, I think, because it's so depressing with the idea of everybody being dead, except for Tom Hanks. But hmm. some of it is very touching. The intera- yeah. the interactions between Tom and Jeff, and even the dog. I like the relationship, how the relationship between the dog and the robot changes. Yeah. And I I'm thought ho- it was kind of upsetting when we lose Dewey. Yeah. Although I'm yeah. still trying to figure out why there was a box of donuts in the middle of a bear trap, but okay. Yeah. I could. It took me a while to figure out, wait a minute, what, what happened to Dewey? What it, it it literally was going after a box of donuts, and yeah. for some reasons there was a bear trap there. Hmm. Um, I guess. Which? Why not I just eat the donuts? Sor- <laughs> I guess that was so- sort of supposed to imply that uh, whoever was in the mysterious car was dangerous or hostile, because we don't know. We had, 
that was, I thought, kind of an interesting point. We have no idea if Hanks's view of the other people in the world is accurate or not. He thinks they're all scavengers and violent and they'll just kill to get whatever they want, but he he's only seen one example of that. Right. We don't know if the person in the car was trying to catch him to take his stuff or because they wanted human contact. Right, they're just desperate to talk to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> So we'll never know. We'll never know. Because we can't even see it in the windshield. We, for all we know, there was five people in that car. Yep. Uh, maybe it was a band. Could have been the Dukes of Hazard. We aren't sure. <laughs> Could have been the General Lee following them. We don't uh, know. And in which case, he had the right idea. Yeah, um, yeah. Any other notes you'd like to get to before we get to the wrap-up? Uh, still, I still question how butterflies would have survived anywhere. See any they're flowers? A, I didn't. They're a, yeah, they're a fairly fragile life form mm. uh uh but no I, I i i like some of the music i like when they're driving and he's playing the talking heads road to nowhere come on i know it's obvious but it's a good song <laughs> it is a good song i have no complaints with any of the three songs they use in this film because i like them all i just was like wow you didn't look past the first choice on uh, web search did you <laughs> yeah they're all pretty very well known and pretty obvious yeah well, I think yeah. it should be that point that uh, we get to uh, the end of the show because uh, yep. Goodyear needs to go out for a little pee, a tinkle, yep. if you will. Yep. <laughs> the Roundup. So, to Max! Max. Ah! <laughs> At last! At the same time. Victory with, is mine! With editing, I'll still come out first. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Max? Andy, Did you have a yeah. question you wish to ask? Yes. So... You had heard of this, obviously, because you suggested it. I had. What'd you think? I was looking forward to this because I thought it looked like it might be cool. It might be fun. Tom Hanks usually means whatever it is is going to be a quality project. And I think that his performance was quality. But the feels in this movie, and there are feels, feel a lot more like manipulation than they do feels. Putting in American Pie is just... Really? <laughs> I could have chosen that. Bumpy could have chosen that. <laughs> so that, to me, started off a series of these manipulations. And I'm like, why does this kind of a manipulation feel so familiar? And I, then I find out, of course, with the butterfly, it's like, oh, okay, Zemeckis was in here. Okay, that's not so... Oh, <laughs> it's an Amblin Entertainment movie. Okay, yeah. that explains a lot. Um it does feel very Amblin. Now, Spielberg's name is not on this film. But no. the kind of films he makes, you know, the ones made by his company Amblin, this does have a very Amblin feel. I think it's a mixed bag. I think we've got a, a solid, if not exemplary, performance by Tom Hanks. I don't think there's anything for him to be embarrassed about. I don't think the script was that great. Um, the fact that it got sold to a streaming service, I think, actually might have done it a big favor. I think that the film has got a lot of messages, and they're not none of them are particularly deftly handled. Um, it's okay. I think the idea is fine. I don't think it. We haven't seen it before, and I think we've seen it done better. I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but I'm going to go with I've seen it better. Um, I'm not upset. I watched it. I'm glad I didn't pay for it. So when I asked that question about paying in the, in the theater, I think I would have liked it less because it's like, wow, 15 bucks on this. Eh. Mm. Um, so it's okay. I don't 
I wouldn't go out of my way for it. How about you? It, I think if this had not had Tom Hanks in it, it would be completely forgettable. Mm. I don't think that I think it would not have it would have gone largely unnoticed because, as you say, there's nothing really original about it. We've seen the road trip through the post-apocalyptic landscape many, many times. We've seen the "Am I the last person on Earth?" There was nothing left to do but look for beer. A <laughs> <laughs> hey, fleshy-headed mutant. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Very strange brew reference. Uh, <laughs> what was the movie? I don't know if you remember where the there was an end of the world, but they were getting radio signals, and they they were coming from Australia, and they made this trek to get down there, and found out that it was actually a window shade attached to a a uh, Morse code oh, machine. I can't, I can't remember. remember. It, yeah, it was very I, depressing. I know which one, yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I think I've seen that too, but yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think again, I think it's. Some of it is well done. The cinema it looks nice. The cinematography mm-hmm. is good. The visuals are, are very cool. The story we've seen it done, and we've seen it done better. Yeah. The main thing is Hanks, and I think the fit, the way the robot looks and moves. I think the robot looks very cool. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. This is no robot holocaust. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but to prove that, we would have to go to the room of questions. <laughs> So, if you've got Apple TV Plus and you like Tom Hanks, yeah, why not? You might yeah. like it. Again, it's not a it's it's a good Hanks performance. Uh and I don't again, I don't fault him for that. I think like Max said, he brings his his A game at pretty much every time. It's just that this is not his game and it's not an A. So, um but we have to go over our poll question lest you forget and lest yes, you forget do. to answer because next week we want answers. Damn it, answers. We're yes, don't someone. make us send you to the room of questions. <laughs> someone has to answer for this show and it might as well be you. So yep. movies about the future. Would you rather see how we as a people manage to scrape and fight our way through the apocalypse, usually wearing leather and football pads, or would you rather that sort of thing never happened and we happily make our way into the stars? Do let us know and how you might ask. How? How? Thank you. Uh, You can email us directly, and you can do that with us at maxmikemovies.com, which suggests that we have a website, which we do, which is maxmikemovies.com, where all of our episodes reside and where you can leave comments if you like, which includes, but is not limited to, suggestions for other series, or even films in a series that you think we're in the middle of that we should watch, because we don't remember all of them. You can find us on social media, such as Twitter or Facebook, or in fact, exactly as Twitter and Facebook, because we're not in anywhere else. Hey, we asked before. Anyone think we should be on Instagram? Crickets, Please huh? say hmm. no. <laughs> what do you care? You wouldn't do it. Uh, and lastly, if you have a podcast app of your choice, we're probably there. In fact, you might even be listening to us on one of those right now. But we are just about to back to bash up. To, we're just about to <laughs> wrap up this series, now streaming in a room near you. And with what... Are we wrapping up this series, Max? Do tell. Ah, uh, we are going to wrap it up with another Apple TV original, Coda, oh. which is about one of my favorite Star Wars characters. We're finally <sighs> going to see why his grammar is in such his word order is such a strange collection. Max. And yeah, Max. Yeah, that's Yoda. What did I say? Coda. It's a musical term. Oh. This film oh, yeah. is not it's a also, Star Wars it's movie. It's also an acronym for uh, Child of Deaf Adults. Which oh. is what, what this movie is about, in fact, and that is what we will be watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if you don't want us to repeat this musical problem, do, yeah. in fact, come in and listen next week to our coda. Won't you? 
This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Thank you.